suicide prevention in your ministry. All this and more on Youth and Culture. Hey guys, this is your host, Ryan Sebastian. Again, I want to thank you for making this podcast a part of your day today. If you're new to the podcast, welcome. If you've been listening for a while and you have not left a rating and review, I would encourage you to do that. Again, that does help uh, this podcast. Um, I am really excited about our topic today. Uh, We're actually going to be talking about something that's extremely important in any ministry, uh, but especially important in youth ministry because it's so uh, relevant. And actually, as youth leaders, we probably would deal with this multiple times throughout our ministry. And that's the talk. And we're going to be talking about suicide and specifically uh, suicide prevention. But before we get into that, let's take a pause and listen to our sponsors. Youth and Culture is brought to you by Covenant Eyes. Covenant Eyes is an online accountability and content blocking software for your mobile device or your computer designed to protect the entire family. Today, with 90% of boys and 70% of girls being exposed to pornography online and 56% of divorce cases listing porn use as a factor It's more important than ever to protect your home. Click the link at the bottom of the show notes, sign up for Covenant Eyes, and start protecting your home today. So why is suicide prevention so important in youth ministry? Uh, The answer to that for me is simple, is that there's a rise in depression a rise in anxiety in Generation Z uh, that has not been seen in any other generation before. And out of those two things naturally uh, causes you to be more uh, suicidal and have suicidal thoughts. And we're actually seeing a little bit of a rise in suicide among Generation Z than previous generations as well. Uh, so it's a very important topic for us to be discussing and, and looking at is how can we uh, prevent suicide in our ministries? What are the signs of someone who is suicidal? Um, again, I'm really excited to be talking to Heather Braddock about this topic um, as she dives in and looks at and kind of discusses and gives an aspect of how can we better recognize these symptoms uh, within our students. So stay tuned as we talk with Heather Braddock. I guess I am super excited to be interviewing uh, 
Heather Braddock today. Uh, we're actually going to be talking about a topic that is extremely, extremely important across the board in every avenue of ministry. And I really wanted to talk about this in September, uh, but everybody uh, was talking about this. So I want to kind of push it a little bit, but still this topic is extremely important. And that's the topic of suicide and suicide prevention. And we're going to talk a little bit how that applies for uh, in a youth ministry context. Uh, so Heather, how about you uh, spend, uh, introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your story? Yeah, my name is Heather Braddock. I am currently the director of the Counseling Center at King University in Upper East Tennessee. And I am a licensed professional counselor with a mental health service provider designation in the state of Tennessee. And so I work with um, mainly 17 to 24-year-olds, but my husband is also a youth pastor. So we have worked with teenagers since uh, going on 11 years now. So um, our primary focus is anywhere from age 10, 11, 12 to about 24. Um, yeah, that's a little bit about me. So, uh, of course, I know that the uh, that this is important, and you know this as well. But for those of, uh, who may be listening who doesn't who don't understand this topic extremely well, uh, why is suicide prevention prevention important to know, especially in youth ministry? So, suicide is now the second leading cause of death in adolescents ages fifteen to twenty four and the third leading cause of death in adolescents aged 10 to 14. So obviously this is a big, a big deal, and it only falling behind accidental deaths such as car wrecks, drownings, things like that. Um, so when we're seeing this amount of teenagers dying by suicide, we've got to do something about it. You know, and suicide prevention is the best way. We would much rather prevent a suicide than have to deal with intervention and definitely postvention after something has happened. So often youth leaders and those working with people and or working with youth ministry, either lay people, youth pastors, what whatever it is, they're often the first mode of contact for teens, um, often more so than parents. A lot of these teens are going to talk to to someone working in youth ministry more than their parents sometimes. And sometimes parents don't know what's going on or friends don't know what's going on with them. And, um, you know, a youth leader may be the first person that they open up to about their, about their depression or suicidal thoughts. Um, you know, I feel, I feel like the, the, um, rate of death has gone down recently in the United States. But the suicide, the per percentage of those deaths have gone up. So we've seen an increase in deaths by suicide in the adolescent um, age group. So very important topic. And our best mode of protection with these teens is prevention. Uh, so what, is, what do you think a, a common uh, or contributing uh, factor when it's when it comes to the rise of suicide among Generation Z? Yeah, so there's really no definitive answer. Um, there are some theories out there, and I've heard a lot of different things, and research has shown a lot of different things, but we're not quite sure why it is, it is on the rise. Um, there are some things contributing, such as the increase in exposure to suicide on the internet and social media. 
you know, they have at, in, at any given second, they could quickly just look up how to take their own life or they're often exposed to it. Sometimes when we see things in the media, when we see um, someone famous that takes their own life, there's often a domino effect, unfortunately. And so constant exposure to that can cause someone who is already depressed or already having thoughts of dying or suicide can make them feel, um, oh, I, I, if, if they can do this, I can do this too. So there's the, just that increased constant contact um, on social media and the internet that can be contributing. We've also seen an increase in girls dying by suicide. Um, typically, males are four times more likely than females to take their own life um, just because males tend to have more um, impulsivity and risk-taking behavior. They tend to use more lethal means. But in the past few years, we have seen females um, doing that as well and, and using more lethal means when it comes to attempting suicide. Um, we've also seen a change in the method of suicide, people in general just using more lethal means, um, which can also go back to, I can just, I can look up how to, um, how to take my own life and, and you're given that information right away. And so it, it increases, increases their ability to do so. Um, me personally, just in, in the people I have worked with and what I have seen, is I've seen an increase in substance abuse among teens and adolescents and young adults. Um, and of course, teenagers are always going to, there's always going to be an issue with substance abuse. Um, but we've seen alcohol and marijuana in particular go from being something that is not allowed to being more of a social norm among teenagers, um, especially the use of marijuana. So alcohol is a depressant. Marijuana can act as a stimulant or depressant. So um, that can obviously when you're when a teenager whose brain is still developing is adding a depressant into their bodies to help cope with their depression, then it's only making it worse. And so we're seeing a lot of adolescent brains developing um, with depression and then adding a chemical that is full of depression, so to speak. Um, so they're they're developing their coping strategies as using substances to, to cope rather than developing the coping strategies that we would normally develop in adolescence. And, and those things that we develop, you know, when we're 16, 17 years old, the way we handle stressful situations and anxiety, um, that, that often carries us through our lives. And what's happening is we're seeing a lot of teenagers using substances. And then by the time they are in their late teens and early 20s, um, they they don't have any other avenues to cope with stressful things. And so they they engage in alcohol, substance abuse, other drugs, marijuana, um, which increases the risk-taking behavior, increases impulsivity, increases the ability to make good decisions. Um, and you mix that with depression, you mix that with anxiety, the natural impulsivity of any adolescent, and then you really have an, a recipe for disaster happening. And so when, when you take someone with who's already depressed and you add all those things in, and then they have a suicidal thought, they're much more likely to act on those thoughts. Yeah. One thing that um, some research that I have seen come out in the last, uh, pretty much the last six months, especially the research on that kind of was going out with a uh, barter research 
uh, that came out specifically with this generation is that the there's a rise in anxiety uh there's a rise in depression specifically with this generation and um one of the points uh with that barnum made in some of the research is um that there's a possible link to uh uh the smartphone for as that you you uh your value and who you are is based off social media Mm -hmm. Uh, your identities wrapped up in that. Um, also, uh, teens are so uh, in front of a computer screen or a device that they have no real social skills. And those, uh, those inability to socialize and those lack of social skills has contributed to anxiety and depression and then possibly even linking it uh, to the rise of suicide, specifically in Generation Z. Um, now, when something that you are seeing as well, would you kind of think that it's a possibility that some of these links um, may be also contributing because of the rise of smartphones, specifically mm-hmm. in this generation? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so like you were saying with social media in particular, um, it's very isolating. And, and teenagers are not learning how to interact with people one-on-one and face-to-face. All interaction is taking place behind a screen. Um, you, can, you can go anywhere and see a group of teenagers, and they're all sitting together, but they're all on their phones. And they're often texting each other, but they're right across from each other. They're sitting right next to each other, but they're texting each other rather than talking. And that's incredibly isolating. Um, we were created for, for connection and human connection. And when you take that away, it can make someone feel very alone and isolated. And any time someone feels alone, um, they start feeling sad and depressed. Um, there is research out there that talks about blue lights being in our face that, that decreases our ability to sleep at night. When, when we're looking at a phone right before we fall asleep, it um, interrupts our sleep patterns. So lack of sleep definitely leads to anxiety um, as well. And we also see just an increased is like need to perform and be perfect because what we see on social media is everyone's perfect lives. We don't always see what's going on behind the scenes. And so, you know, someone sitting behind a screen at their house sees everyone else and, and only the highlights, only the good things. And they're starting to compare themselves to these other people and, and think, why can't, why can't I look like that? Why can't I be like that? Why can't I perform like that and they start feeling sad and start feeling um, bad about themselves and then we see that decrease in self-esteem which and often leads to depression and anxiety as well yeah so absolutely i absolutely think that that is a contributing factor so so what are some common signs of someone who is suicidal yeah so obviously the obvious is depression and anxiety other mental health issues Um, we tend to see Um, more suicidal behavior uh, in certain diagnoses, such as bipolar disorder, major depressive disorder, um, eating disorders, things like that. So so mental health issues, mental health disorders, um, definitely. In teenagers in particular, many of these teenagers have not been diagnosed with mental health issues because this is often when it starts to develop. So you often see mental health issues, mental health disorders um, diagnosed in their early 20s. So when you're when you're working with teenagers, you you don't really necessarily know what's going on, but maybe you suspect it. So 
you know, if there is some signs of mental health issues, then, then, you know, you may see signs that someone is having suicidal thoughts. Um, but it's important to remember that not everyone who is depressed or not everyone who has mental health issues has suicidal thoughts. So some things in particular to look for would be any change in behavior than that of what is normal for the teenager. So you, you know, you may take a teenager who is normally energetic, happy, on time to things, um, shows up to different activities, you may see that suddenly stop, or you may see them, um, you know, they may engage with their friends, you may see them talking with their friends, and then all of a sudden, they're, they're sitting alone, or they're just acting different. So any change in behavior, and that could be a decrease in activity or an increase in activity. Um, but a definite change in their behavior is what you want to look for. Um, another sign, you know, if, if someone's feeling depressed after a recent loss or a death or a breakup, um, that those can often increase suicidal thoughts. Um, a person who may be crying a lot or expressing a lot of anger, that's out of the norm for them. Um, someone who is depressed may sleep a lot more than normal or sleep a lot less than normal. So again, we go back to that change of behavior. Is this teenager suddenly sleeping 12 hours where they used to sleep seven or eight hours? Or is this teenager barely sleeping at all when they used to be pretty, pretty good uh, with getting their sleep? Um, you also want to look for language that seems hopeless, um, like saying their life is over. They may say things like they wish they were dead. Um, they may start, you know, just saying maybe life would be better if I were dead or if I weren't here. Um, sometimes I wish that my life was over. Sometimes maybe my parents would be better off without me or my friends would be better off without me. Any, any hopeless language is a, is a sign that someone may be having these thoughts. Um, one very clear sign, um, that, that gives us indication that the thoughts are a little more serious would definitely be if they're giving away their possessions or saying goodbye to people. Um, and what we're seeing now, going back to the social media thing, what we're seeing now is they're often posting these things on social media, on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and they may post something or they may use a pseudo account to post something. So some certain people may not always see what they're posting or their parents may not see what they're posting because they're using a different account to do so. But they may be saying goodbye or having hopeless, um, hopeless talk on those social media things. And so we always, you know, we can't always go with what they're saying verbally. We also need to look at what they're posting and um, what they're saying, you know, virtually as well. But those are all you know, signs that, that someone could be dealing with suicidal thoughts. Yeah. For, for me specifically, cause this is, uh, the reason why this topic is so important to me personally, cause this is something that I struggled with, uh, as a middle schooler, uh, struggling with the suicidal thoughts, even, uh, even one time contemplating and attempting it, uh, most, and I was depressed. And during this time when I was dealing with these, this issue in my life, um, I was isolating myself constantly. Now I didn't necessarily ha talk to people because um, I'm I'm naturally an introvert. Introvert, and I was way worse as when I was a kid. Um, very much shy, so I didn't really talk to people. 
didn't really share about I always isolate myself and also at the same time uh, having anger outburst uh, those those two things um, so so absolutely when it comes to the change of behavior aspect that's something now you need to look at, especially when it comes to a student isolating themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. To me personally, when I see that, I my mind immediately goes there because that was me uh, when I was mm-hmm. a middle schooler. Um, so I, yeah. I, I absolutely agree with that. Well, and and you know, often when a student is isolating themselves, and that's that's very common common sign is isolation. They feel alone, and they feel like no one cares, and and they feel like you know, if they were to tell someone that it wouldn't matter and they wouldn't care. And it's all, and and that's all, obviously that is something that they are thinking that may not necessarily be true, but for them, that's the reality. They feel like no one, no one cares. And their perception of that is their reality at the time. And um, when they, what, what I often hear with people who feel who are having suicidal thoughts is if I did take my own life, then it wouldn't matter because no one would care. They would be better off without me. It's not always that, you know, there's kind of this myth out there that it's a, it's a selfish act. And, and yeah, we can, we can talk about that all day long, how, it, how suicide doesn't, it doesn't take away one's pain. It just transfers it to someone else. And that is absolutely true. But in the mind of someone who is having suicidal thoughts, they think, that they're often taking away someone else's pain because they believe they're the problem. So the teenager may believe he or she is the problem and that the world would be better off without him or her. And so for them, it's not necessarily a selfish thing. They're more thinking, hey, I'm doing them a favor. And obviously this is where a counselor can come in and help turn around some of those cognitive distortions that they're experiencing because that's obviously not true. But for them, that's their reality. And that's, you know, all that comes from that isolation of I'm, I'm always alone. So who, who would care if I took my own life? Yeah. No, I agree. Um, even, even in my own case, uh, uh, when I was dealing with, with depression and suicidal thoughts, was there a period in my life uh, where I was majorly in, dealing with sin in my life? Um, and I just didn't think I was worth anything, uh, that nobody would care. Uh, nobody cares about me, and this is all. This is all before um, I came to Christ. And it's all before then, and and it, I can remember leading up to uh, to when I finally realized that I never surrendered my life to Christ, and I finally made the decision. Up to that point, it was it was almost like a sense of hopelessness. Uh, nobody cares about me. Uh, nobody cares if I'm still alive. Uh, I'm. Uh, I'm not worth anything that all these types of thoughts and immediately after I came to Christ, I realized that all of that was a lie. Yeah. And, and that was early on as, as a 13 year old, um, when all this, when all this went down, uh, when I, and suicidal thoughts and all that. So I, I absolutely agree uh, with that as well. So what, so what are uh, some strategies that, um, uh, for youth leaders to be more proactive and uh, seeking and ministering to students that are struggling uh, with suicidal thoughts. Yeah, so definitely noticing noticing those kids and ministering to the students who may be struggling. Um, we talked we talked a lot about isolation. Notice those kids who are isolating. 
Um, but we see, you know, suicidal thoughts are not immune. No one's immune to them. Um, so even the kids who are, who are not isolating themselves. So really just noticing having a relationship with students is first and foremost. Um, they're going to be much more likely to open up if there's a relationship there. And so really um, just trying to get to know the student in their life. Um, but you want to notice that, go back to that change of behavior. You want to notice if they, if their behavior has changed to maybe they, they are, they were once very social and now they're isolating or they're sitting alone or um, they, they're not coming to church as often or, or coming to youth group as often. Um, and, and you may just want to reach out to them and see what's going on. Um, if a student expresses depression or other common signs that we talked about in the previous um, question, don't be afraid to ask. Um, a lot of people are afraid to ask because it's a scary topic. Um, there's nothing easy about suicidal thoughts. Um, even for a therapist who's been doing it for years, there's nothing easy when it comes to the topic of suicide. Um, but there's a common myth out there that if you ask them if they're thinking of killing themselves, that you're putting the idea in their head. And that is, that is a myth. Um, and it has been proven over and over that um, you're not putting the idea in their head. Chances are, if they're having suicidal thoughts, your questions aren't going to scare them at all. Um, better to ask the question and it be awkward and um, be a little scary than to not ask the question and something happen. Um, studies will show that simply asking someone can greatly decrease the likelihood of them attempting suicide by simply asking the question. And so some ways to, to ask the question is one, don't, don't beat around the bush and get straight to the point. Um, you don't want to say things like, well, you're not thinking of killing yourself, are you? Because that will shut down the conversation. Um, because it has that negative connotation and it, it shows that maybe you're afraid of what their answer would be. So some ways to ask the question, to ask them if they're having suicidal thoughts is maybe say things, um, just get right to the point and say, have you had thoughts of killing yourself? Um, have you have, have you been having suicidal thoughts? Those two words, suicidal and killing are both scary words for, for a lot of people. Um, but being able to actually say those words, um, takes down the barrier, takes down the wall between you and the student. And it allows them to open up and say, okay, I can talk to this person. This person isn't afraid to talk to me about it. Even though you may be shaking in your boots on the inside, um, it shows them, okay, they're not afraid. I can talk. Um, some other ways to, um, to ask the question, if, if you are, if, if maybe they're, their language, their thoughts are not quite, maybe, maybe they've spoken a little more subtly about things. You could say, well, sometimes when someone is feeling depressed, they have thoughts of suicide. I'm wondering if this has been on your mind lately. That's a little more of a subtle way, but you're also not beating around the bush by, by asking that. Um, and so then, you know, something that else that scares people a little bit when they're asking these questions is, well, what if the student says yes? What if I ask them if they've had thoughts of killing themselves? And they say yes, what do I do then? Um, so it's important in that moment to assess how serious it is. Um, not all suicidal thoughts are going to lead to a suicide attempt. Um, but it's important to assess at that time, 
where they're at. And this is where, you know, maybe a lay person can get the help of someone else, uh, maybe the youth pastor or the pastor or, um, you know, a counselor that may be in the midst or even a nurse. A lot of nurses, medical professionals have been trained um, to help with people who are having suicidal thoughts. But, um, but assessing in the moment is asking things like, has it been worse recently? Have you been thinking about killing yourself more recently? How often? If they're thinking of killing themselves every day, well, we know right away that's very serious. Or if they say, well, I thought about it six months ago, we know it's not as emergent. Um, you also need to ask things like, do they have a plan? Have they thought about how they would kill themselves? Um, if the student has a plan, then it's obviously a, a lot more serious than someone who said, well, sometimes I'm, I think about dying. Sometimes I've thought about what if I took my own life? That's serious, but not as serious as, yes, I'm thinking about killing myself. It's all I can think about. And here's how I'm going to do it. Um, a person who is on that end and has a plan, especially someone who has the means to do it, that is someone who needs to go to the emergency room right away. Um, if your area has a 24-hour health mental, mental health facility, that may be a better option, but a lot of areas don't have that. And so the ER is the first option. And that's scary, but it, it can save a life. If, they're, if they are that serious in their suicidal thoughts, then they need to go to the emergency room right away. And don't ever leave them alone. If they express that to you, don't leave them alone to go get someone else. Um, you can call call for help or call 911 right in front of them. And they may be angry, but don't be afraid of them being angry. I would much rather someone be angry with me than for them to leave and take their own life. I can handle them being angry with me. It's a lot harder to deal with if they went and attempted to take their, to take their life. Um, if, if it falls on the, okay, these are serious suicidal thoughts, but we're not at the point where the person has a plan um, the person's not thinking about it every day. The person's able, when the person does think about it, they're able to, um, they're able to kind of put it aside and, and get through their day. If it's what we would refer to as less serious suicidal thoughts, then a referral to a counselor would be the best option there. Um, and, or, you know, licensed mental health provider, LCSW or LPC or, or whatever to help them get into ongoing counseling. And that way they're with someone who can help them get to a point where they're not having the suicidal thoughts anymore. Um, but that, you know, helping someone who is struggling with suicidal thoughts is a very scary thing. And, and I think just realizing in the moment, like this is going to be scary and it's not going to be easy. And just, just admitting that right away can, can help you be able to have a conversation with a student struggling. Um, and, and you can even say to the student, this isn't easy. I understand this isn't easy, but I need to ask you this question and then proceed to ask the, the questions. Well, that's absolutely great. Um, if one thing I do want to, I know as we're kind of wrapping up a little bit, um, if somebody want to get connected with you, either to ask more questions about this topic or get a little bit deeper in this topic, uh, what's the best way for uh, people to get in contact with you? Um, yeah, I would say to email counselingcenter at king.edu. That's counselingcenter at king.edu. That would probably be the best way to get in touch with me. I see those emails daily, so um, I would be happy to 
chat with anyone who has more um, more questions and, and needs help working with someone or maybe someone in their life that, that has these thoughts and they need some more advice on that. And uh, if they just want to email that and give me their name and number, I can give them a call back. Well, Heather, I want to thank you for coming on the podcast today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Uh, there is two things that I walked away with um, when it comes to talking to Heather. And the first one is something that we have talked before here on the podcast. And most of us know this uh, is spending time with students, investing in students. When you have small group leaders uh, investing in students, they're more likely to see major changes in the students in their small groups or the students that they're ministering to. And when, and because of that, they're, easy, they're better able and better apt to catch uh, suicidal tendencies or behaviors. Uh, and that, another thing that I walked a, away with is, is to pay attention to really drastic changes in students' behaviors from both in the spectrums, from being a loner from isolating themselves to having extremely hyperactivity all of a sudden out of the blue. So look for very uh, drastic changes in their behavior. But how you notice that is that you have to have leaders pouring in and investing in students. Again, I'm really uh, thankful for Heather coming out and to just diving into this topic a little bit more Indefinitely and give us a little bit more insight on how can we better prevent suicide within our ministries. Uh, again, you definitely want to stay tuned to next week's episode as we're going to be diving in on a different topic. It may be a little bit different than what we're going to be doing next week, but I'm really excited about it. So stay tuned for next week's episode.